0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagine Schools podcast. So glad to be with you. I'm your host, Greg Goins. This is another great conversation that I'm so happy to share with you. My guest today is Harry Paul, the co author of one of the all time best selling business books of all time. The book has sold more than 6 million copies now. The name of the book is Fish, a proven way to boost morale and improve results. So a lot of folks in the business sector, organizations, and now even school districts are using the fish philosophy based off the world-famous Pike Place fish market in Seattle, Washington, to promote trust and teamwork and to increase employee satisfaction. So you certainly want to check out this episode. Harry Paul, known today as Harry the Fish Guy, uh, got his start working for the great Ken Blanchard, author of The One-Minute Manager He's an internationally best-selling author. He also has other books that are widely regarded in the business community. But this was a great conversation talking about the fish philosophy and how to improve school culture. So we can use this this model not only in in business with Fortune 500 companies, but right there in our classrooms. It's research-driven, and it's known to really make a positive impact on your students and your school community. So with that, folks, I hope you kick back, and enjoy this episode. My conversation with Harry Paul begins right now. I'm Angela Kelly Robet, host of the Empowered Principal Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Reimagine Schools podcast, the show that shines light on positive leadership, technology integration, and innovative solutions to transform our schools. Featuring many of the nation's top educators, tune in each week to hear from best-selling authors, popular speakers, and thought leaders throughout K-12 education as we continue the conversation on how to create better schools for kids. From the podcast studio in Georgetown, Kentucky, here's your host, Dr. Greg Goins. So excited to have my special guest today, Harry Paul. You may know him as the Fish Guy. He's an internationally sought-after speaker, co-author of seven books on business and leadership. The biggie is Fish, a proven way to boost morale and improve results. The Fish book is one of the best-selling books of all time in the business genre. Um, it's sold over 6 million copies and been translated into 35 languages. So, Harry, thanks so much for being here. It's a great honor to talk with you.
1: My pleasure. Glad to be here and uh, looking forward to our time together. What's it
0: like to be the fish guy? That's how most people know you. I I, I wonder if you get uh, you get tackle for Christmas or uh, towards to <laughs> the red lobster or how does that work? <laughs> uh,
1: well, I do love fish and uh, it was one of those. Overnight successes for me, uh, but it happened at the age of 50. And I've been associated with best-selling authors uh, since 1980 when I helped Ken Blanchard and uh, Spencer Johnson self-publish The One Minute Manager. And to have this opportunity to do something uh, myself uh, was is just beyond belief. And, you know, you get into a project like this and you think, Oh, what can it do for me? You know, uh, will anyone buy a book like this? And from the moment I said yes to the co-authors asking me to be part of my two co-authors asking me uh, to be part of it, it was on an upward trajectory that was uh, phenomenal. And I'm always thankful for Ken Blanchard turning down the co-authorship to this book.
0: Yeah, and you have an amazing background working with Ken Blanchard, who we all know is one of the all-time greats in the leadership uh, area. Uh, so let's kind of start there. What was it like working with Ken, and what are some of the those valuable life lessons you learned working directly with him?
1: Wow, where do you start, Ken was an amazing influence uh I still get together with Ken I still speak with Ken even though I've been uh, gone from the organization for uh, t- over 20 years I-, I think he's taught me several things he he taught me that as a speaker make sure you're there for the audience they're not there for your benefit you're there for their benefit uh have humility uh bring more joy to, to, to life uh, rather than aggravation. He said, you always want people happy to see you. And I tried to live uh, my professional and personal life that way, uh, to have people glad to have me around. And because uh, when I started with at, at the Ken Blanchard Companies, I was probably a terrible manager and pretty grouchy. And watching Ken and having him mentor me, and boy, I'll tell you, if I was Ken, I would have fired me, you know, pretty early on, Uh, but he saw something and uh, allowed me to grow and to become kind of a nice guy. I used to have on my website, Harry Paul, speaker, author, and all-around nice guy. And and I think that's what I learned from Ken is how to be a nice guy.
0: You know, I... Obviously I have an interest in leadership, uh, especially school leadership. I always find it fascinating though when I visit a bookstore, uh, the largest section is typically the leadership and management section in the area that I'm browsing and I, it always kind of dawns on me that uh, a lot of the principles are pretty simple, but still there are so many people that have no idea what building that positive culture is like and really taking whether it's a school, an organization or a business to where they want to go. Why do you think uh, this idea of leadership, management, all of these rules and principles, what is it people aren't understanding that allows us to continue to spread this message of growth?
1: well I, I think it comes and the answer uh, when Ken did the one minute manager, he said, people only read one chapter of a business book, so he made it one chapter long. He said uh, the consultants, the PhDs, wrote for other consultants and PhD. They didn't read. Uh, they didn't write for the, the the person out there on the line, and so he made it a story format. He also made it short, that it can be read uh, on the shortest flight in the United States uh, airline flight. And when you think about that, that's what people embraced. If you look at uh, best-selling books, you know, Fish, Woman at Manager who moved my cheese? They're all short. They're all simple and they're all easy to understand. And they're all lessons we were taught as children, uh, but seem to not bring into the workplace. I mean, you, you can boil it down to do unto others as you want others to do unto you. That's pretty basic. And I think that theme runs through all those books. It's simple. That's why they did well. And a lot of the other ones, they don't do as well. Uh, because they make it so complex. If you can't get this, if you can't get fish in 15 minutes to start understanding it and to start seeing where you use it or, or even the one minute manager or, or who moved my cheese, et etc., et cetera, uh, you're never going to get it, I think, because it's so simple. That's what we have to make sure that business books uh, do. Give a good lesson make it simple. And when you look at them, they're all pretty much telling you the same thing in a different way.
0: Yeah. And I I think that's spot on. And for those of you that are not familiar with the fish book, one of the 6 million that hasn't bought it, uh, I'll I'll set this up for you. And then you can kind of take it from there, but really based on a visit in the late nineties to the world famous Pike place fish market in Seattle. And it was just watching the workers, uh, I mean working in a fish market is not the most glamorous job uh, it's not maybe not the the best job in terms of the actual work but this crew that that uh, some of your co-authors observed just had such a good time and the customer service experience was was so exhilarating that it really became a destination people were coming to spend time with the employees probably more so than buying the fish so I'll kind of let you take it from there
1: <laughs> it's a beautiful setup uh, because my co-author John was there doing another film project and he saw the energy, the excitement, and how that uh, people were relating to it and, and they were buying fish and he goes, "Wow, how do I get that energy into my company?" Then he said, "Wait a minute, how do I share that the kind of energy with other companies?" And he approached the owner and said, hey, I'd like to come here with my uh, video crew, videotape you, and share what you do with the world because it'll make a difference. And the owner said, we've been waiting for someone to ask that ask us that question for a long time. And that started the ball rolling with the fish philosophy. Um, and you said something about, you know, people do flock there. My parents were telling me about the, the fish market when they went to a wedding in Seattle in the early 90s. And I didn't pick up on it at that point. Uh, and it's the number one tourist destination in Seattle. And it kind of makes you wonder what people are thinking. They'll go to a fish market to watch guys work. And it's it's street theater. But it's not just watching them work. They try to bring everyone in to that excitement. They draw them in and make them part of it so that, you know, that makes it more exciting. And before they started doing that, they were just another fish uh, market, a bunch of fishmongers selling fish. When they decided to do something differently, they decided to become world famous, and they lived that mantra. And things started to happen. So what was once a uh, two weeks of good revenue at that fish market is now a bad morning. And only thing to change, we you know it wasn't the fish. The only thing that changed was their attitudes, their excitement, their fun, they're making people's day, they're being present with people, and uh, that worked. So we can embrace that and know that it will make a difference. And there are four fish markets in the uh, the outdoor public market, the Pike Place public market in Seattle, selling the same fish for the same price. You and I are only talking about one. So it does make a difference, Greg.
0: How much of the culture piece do you think should be intrinsic upon the individual as opposed to really coming from from leadership? In my mind, each individual has to take some responsibility and be intentional in how positive they're going to be coming to work. But then, of course, there's also an element of leading and guiding those folks and creating a positive workplace, whether it's a school or, again, whether it's in the business sector. Yeah, agreed. And and I think what you have to look at is,
1: it's a grassroots thing. It started as a grassroots thing at the fish market. It has to start as a grassroots movement in an organization. But management has to allow it to happen. Management has to support it. Even if you when you read the Fish Book. You'll see that's what exactly happens. It starts as a grassroots movement, and then leadership starts this, uh, a, a, you know, support and embrace it, and makes a difference. And even in the case study in the back of the book, it was grassroots uh, of a, a healthcare facility, uh, the grassroots movement supported by management. And I think that's the key. Um, you can't dictate this stuff. You can't create, like you know, one of the four principles of the fish philosophy is fun. You can't create a fun matrix. It has to be organic. It has to be uh, uh, created by everyone who works there and honoring everyone's idea. So I think that's what has to happen. It has to be grassroots. And it it could be a slow burn. It could be a fast burn. uh, But as it takes off, management has to get more and more behind it.
0: Last, you've been out and I know you do a lot of speaking and probably not as much now with the pandemic, but uh, as you go out and speak about uh, the, the fish philosophy, what are some of the most common questions you get or some of the most, uh, obvious, uh, comments that might, uh, you know, you kind of put those together and it becomes thematic.
1: Um, I have a good attitude, but my coworkers don't, uh, my boss will not let me have fun. Uh, it, it, some even apathy. I, I don't care. I just go to work to pick up a check. So, so that I get some of that feedback, but not a lot. Most people, once they hear what the fish philosophy is, goes, "I want that." Especially if you show them uh, a clip from the fish market video that uh, my co-author did, uh, then they go, "Wow, I want that too." Uh, but I, I think. That's the attitude, especially I have, a I have a good attitude, but they don't. And they go, well, how do you, how do you solve that, Harry? And I go, well, first of all, be the master of your own emotions. Don't try to change someone else's emotion because if you try to change someone else's emotion, they're going to drag you down into the sludge of negativity and they're going to change your attitude, uh, and negatively impact it. So be the master of your own emotion. I think that's what starts the fish philosophy is that attitude, as does in the, in the schools, in education, that attitude is first. Um, I want to, you know, a teacher for my children when they were younger. Uh, I want them to have a good edit, attitude to educate uh, my children, or our children, my wife and mine. And then the other thing is we taught our kids to have a good attitude that they're there to learn and, and uh, that it was a symbiotic relationship with the teachers. And go, no, I have two kids that are self-sufficient and not living at home. And they're in their early 30s, you know, It's because most of the time, what what are kids? The gift that keeps on receiving. Uh, so uh, it worked for, uh, worked for us and it works for a lot of people.
0: You know, I work with a lot of uh, aspiring school administrators, people that want to be principals and superintendents. And we need great leadership in schools now more than ever, as we do across the board in companies, businesses, organizations. Uh, but I always talk with them about being intentional each and every day when you go to school. Uh, I mean, you can choose to be the guy or the girl at the door uh, greeting people, giving hugs and high fives, big smile on your face. How was your weekend? Or you can be that person that goes to your office immediately and closes the door and wants to brood and, and stir all day about all the different problems you're going to face. So it really is about being intentional. And and how you're going to relate with others and build those relationships.
1: Absolutely, it's when you cross that threshold. You got to take that deep cleansing breath. Cross that threshold and say, I get to be here. I get to make a difference. I am teaching the next leaders of the free world. I am teaching the people that are going to help me survive in retirement uh, and to make the world a better place. You got to have a great attitude. You got to be intentional with something like that. So that's how important it is. I just remember when I went to school in the 50s and 60s, there was a wall between students and teachers. This invisible wall. They were the teachers, we were the students, and the interaction was, I guess, formal. And now it's so much warmer. I remember the first day of kindergarten for our daughter, she's our eldest, and we walked in there uh, in, in Poway, California, and the principal was there greeting every student and parent as they came to school. And I'm going, wow, I've never seen that before. Because I had you know, a different mindset uh, from, from where I grew up in South Philadelphia. It was like, this is phenomenal. You know, I met the principal. You know, the only time I met the principal, because I got in trouble, and here the guy is just greeting everyone. And I think that is so important. That's intentional.
0: And, you know, you tell a great story. Uh, I found a video, I think it was on your website, about your father that was working a part-time job in his mid-80s. And 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 his attitude was such that it was a great example for you as you go out and you speak to folks about creating a, a better school culture, a better business culture. Uh, but just kind of talk about that a little bit and the fact that I think he actually was awarded uh, the customer service award two or three years in a row. Uh, and here's someone that just wanted to get out and have a part-time job and just spend some time out of the house. But he probably set the the model example for what employment should be in that particular convenience store.
1: Yeah. You know, he got a part-time job working the coffee bar at a, a, a Wawa in the Northeast Cardiff. Uh, that's where all the Wawa's are. It's family owned and operated. He loved that job. And people swore that when he was there making the coffee, it tasted better. And when you think about that, that attitude, that making, having, pe- helping people feel good about themselves, uh, starting off their day right, and the coffee tastes better, the product, was better if we embrace that kind of attitude we embrace that kind of uh, making people's day will our product be better will they look for th- to catch us doing things right as opposed to looking for things that we did wrong and I think that was the, you know the message and it, it, it's really funny great I wrote that story I had to publish I put it in two of my books and I one day I just wake up and I go, I'm going to call the CEO of Wawa and tell him about this. And uh, I, like, I'm going to get through. So I did, I got through to his uh, his administrative assistant, his personal uh, assistant. And I told her the story and she goes, wow, Mr. Gerson's going to love that story. Um, I'm going to tell him about it. A- a- and she did. And she calls back and said, you know, Mr. Gersons would like to speak with you, and I, and I had a great conversation with him. And obviously, the salesman in me said you should hire me to come speak. Uh, and then the second thing is, he goes. I told him the story. I sent it to them, and he goes, "We're writing a book on our um, 75 years in retail, and we'd like to put that story in our book. And it's on page 100 of the Wawa Way uh, because the message is so strong. You treat people nicely." they will beat a path to your door. And then, uh, and the coup de grace on this one was when my, my dad transferred to a Wawa, they built a Wawa closer to his house. And when you're in your mid eighties saving five minutes on a commute is a big deal. So he transferred scores of his customers, followed him unsolicited. They followed him because not, you know, because he used to think it was because he rinsed the pots out well. That's why the coffee tastes better. They followed him because of his attitude. His making, uh, you know, He helped people feel good about themselves. He made their day. And, and that's the telling story. Uh, that's why the fish market is so successful. People want to go there. People want to feel good. And the owner just retired uh, of the fish market. He sold it to three of the fishmongers and financed it because keeping the legacy alive was so important and that's how they decided to do it. So I I think that's another, um, uh, you know, another uh, plus in the, you know, another column uh, plus column.
0: Yeah. And I love that story about your dad. I mean, I had a big smile on my face as I heard it the first time. Um, You know, it's just just a great testament to him and and to customer service in general. My guest today is Harry Paul. You can connect with him at harrythefishguy.com. Also check out the fish website, fishphilosophy.com. When the book was written, probably not much thought was given to how this would be implemented in a school setting. But miraculously, it has fit perfectly like a glove. A lot of the principles really translate into how schools function. So maybe kind of segue into that a little bit for us.
1: Sure, you know I've done so many convocations, been to so many schools all over the country. It was summer was my busiest month because I was going to schools and teachers and administrators embraced the fish philosophy because it was everything they were trying to do or doing in schools. Attitude, choose your attitude. The first part of the fish philosophy, play. Kids are experts at it. Embrace that play. Make it fun for them to learn. Uh, Being present with people—it is so important for a teacher to be present with people and to make their day. Get those kids to feel good about themselves. Get those kids to feel uh, like they want to go home and do homework, and maybe it should be play—you know, home play or something—to just to make it fun. And they had the natural setting because it was teachers working with children who are uh, understand this and are uh, so uh, adroit at recognizing attitudes and they know when that teacher doesn't have a good attitude, they know it instantly, or that teacher doesn't care about them or, or, or their distance or they're not paying attention. And I think that's what helped, uh, uh, Teachers and administrators in the schools and the school districts all around the country that I visited or or hear from uh, make a difference. And as a side note, the first professional presentation I did was to uh, a school in in San Diego. My uh, neighbor was a a principal of a school, and she said, you got to come in and, and share this with all our teachers and administrators. And I go, oh, okay, I guess I'm a speaker now. Because I was just, you know, I worked for Ken. I, I managed his speaking and publishing, so it, it's it really, really works for education, especially in, in the uh, attitude. Because once you you think about once you get. That, that attitude down, that having a good attitude, the importance of it for the teachers and the children and the administrators that are supporting them, and they're present with kids and they're present with each other, kind of the fun happens naturally and organically and becomes part of the learning process. You don't ever want it to be a distraction. You want it to be part of the learning process. And having people feel good just all happens naturally if you get those two things down uh, right away. the the attitude of being present
0: Uh, as we continue talking about leadership in general, we have a lot of superintendents, a lot of principals that listen to the podcast. Uh, What are some of the things that they can really get from the fish philosophy that they can incorporate immediately uh, that will help with their school culture?
1: I think when I would go out to the schools, the administrators would be there but they'd be stepping back a little bit and they're watching and the teachers were embracing it more and more. Uh, and and you, know, you just notice that when you're up on, up on, the, on the stage and you're looking at, you, the vision is incredible. And as I w- w- would share the fish philosophy and the teachers would get involved and come up with ideas, what I saw the administrators were do uh, would uh, start to do is become more supportive of the ideas that the teachers were coming up with. And I think that's the biggest thing administrators can do, and leaders in any organization is to support that movement, that groundswell, that organic happening of fish. Uh, because a lot of times, well, I didn't invent it, I don't want to use it, and I don't want you to use it. Uh, but they but embrace what happens at the at the teacher level and and then they start seeing uh, how it's happening with the students, and then they support it more and more and more. And I've seen that in many, many organizations besides schools and healthcare where they they're standoffish, but once they start to see it, and, and a lot of times they want to be part of the fun too, because a um, lot uh, they don't have fun they You said it earlier, they walk through the door and they go in their office, shut their office, and they don't know what's happening out in their work world. Uh, They're not part of it. They're not, uh, wasn't there one, uh, was it Peters or somebody said, management by wandering around? You know, getting out there, getting a good look at what's happening. And that's part of the fish philosophy, too, getting involved. You
0: know, FISH has been so successful and it's such a powerful program. And again, I think schools should, uh, really embark on, on this FISH philosophy. Look at this program for your school. I certainly think it would be helpful, but it's easy to forget sometimes that you've written several other books and one of my favorite is creating a culture of excellence. So when you, you think about, I think about schools in that, in that framework as well. How do you go from good to great? And so how do you translate? maybe some of your other books from the business world to the school setting uh,
1: and i do this all the time in my in my uh, presentations choose your attitude play be there make their day is kind of how i will or i am going to operate but i have to operate within a culture and what i uh, my co-author and i came up with what are the we started out with 13 and No one's going to ever remember 13 things uh, that barely could remember three or four things. Uh, I mean, uh, seven habits of highly effective people that was like, wow, seven, I have to remember seven. So you bring it down into three or four, you're doing a good job. So we settled on five and the five parts of a, 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 of a strong culture, a strong culture of excellence is passion, competency, Uh, communication, flexibility, and ownership. Passion. You have to have passion for what you do. You have to be good at it. You have to have that competency. And that competency is interpersonal and uh, technical skills. They, they, They both go hand in hand. That flexibility to have a plan and be able to change because things happen communicating not obfuscating communicating and taking ownership responsibility because if you don't what's the opposite if you're not if you don't have passion for instance you're indifferent if you're not communicating well you're miscommunicating if you're not being flexible you're inflexible and what we've noticed is companies are striving for excellence and excellence A lot of times they're working so hard on their technical, what they have to do, they don't realize they're slipping out of that direction towards excellence and into average. And when it's pointed out, people start to think, oh, wait, they start making excuses. No, we're we're, we're excellent. We're moving towards excellent. We're not moving towards average. And that's scary because when you ignore that, you're starting to accept your average as your excellence and then things spiral down from there. And it's, can you ever get to excellence? I mean, it's probably a philosophical question. I don't know, but if you're not moving towards it, you're moving away from it. And you should always be moving towards it. And when you think about having the fish philosophy in a culture that is built on passion for what you're doing, communication, flexibility, uh, ownership, and and, uh, uh, competency, wow. And the neat thing about why we came down into those five, um, whatever you wanna call them, five tenets, is if you take any one of those away, it collapses. Take away passion, it collapses. Take away competency, it collapses. Any communication, it collapses. Those five things have to be present in any strong culture, and I challenge anyone to, 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 uh, to, to say no.
0: You know, one of the questions that I get a lot, and you may as well, uh, but for, in, from my perspective, working with school leaders, is if you begin a new job, a principal begins a new job, they walk in on day one, and they're, they inherit a root secretary. They have custodians that don't have a very strong work ethic. They have playground supervisors that are screaming and yelling at kids. And they call me and they say, oh, my goodness, what a mess. How do we begin to change this culture? And that's a difficult question because it's not something you can do quickly, in my opinion. And I wanted to kind of get your take on that.
1: You can't do it quickly. Uh, it's not a light switch where you go on and you go, wow, we, we have a great culture and, and we Practice the fish philosophy it does take time first of all that that principle has to be a living example of a, a positive culture, a culture of excellence and the fish philosophy. Second, when you look at custodians or support people that are not directly related to the children, a lot of times and, and i've gotten these uh, you know the, this, uh, these questions from people they don't realize how important what they do is, and that is the job of a leader to make sure that custodian, that lunchroom person knows how important their job is. Um, I I always tell that example, you know, a dishwasher, oh, I clean dishes, what a terrible job. Um, Is that what you do? I thought you provide a germ-free environment from which to consume food. And it's sort of like, oh, yeah, I guess I do. Insurance. Do you uh, sell insurance policies? Are you selling peace of mind? You see how it elevates it? Um, I'm a custodian, I clean. No, you're keeping kids healthy, buddy. Uh, Lunchroom, you're keeping them, you know, nutritionally sound, so they can have a clear mind. Teacher's. You're teaching the next leaders of the free world. These these are the people going to be running our country and our world. You better do a good job. And I think that's the important thing is to make sure they understand how important, I don't care what job they have, that it's important. Look at the fishmongers. They sell fish, but they decided to become world famous and did. And their mission is um, – to, to create world peace, part of their mission is to create world peace, one interaction at a time. And and you think about that, it's nothing to do with fish. But if they do that, they make the world a better place, and people are happier, and I guess people are buying their fish.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's such good stuff right there. And, and so if you're a school superintendent, principal, teacher, anyone that wants to reimagine schools, you want to go back and listen to the last couple minutes here. Uh, from Harry Paul, because I think that's golden advice. Uh, it's an honor to have a chance to talk with you. I've been looking forward to this for a while now. And as I are uh, we running out of time? Uh, I want to give you a closing thought. What can you say directly to school leaders out there? Uh, you know, it's it's difficult enough to develop a positive school culture under normal circumstances, but now with with all that we're dealing with, what advice do you have uh, with those folks that are hoping to turn the corner and turn this into a really positive school year?
1: That is, a, that is the question of questions. And all I can say is look towards the attitude and the passion for what you're doing. You are still going to educate people. You're just going to do it for a while in a different way. There's no difference. Your job remains the same. And, and don't ever forget that. You may be doing it in a Zoom like you and I are doing it, and that distance learning. And there's, uh, it'll change, but don't stop. These kids need that education. You can't let up. You you gotta keep going in that in the direction, the uh, forward direction. Uh, and don't you know? Don't make excuses. Oh, uh, this distance learning isn't going to work. It's it, it just get creative. It, it'll happen. Um, we never thought we'd need a personal computer until Steve Jobs said, yes, we do. And what happened? We all had them. So don't let the technology, don't let the, the, the physicality get in your way of being a great educator.
0: Well, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure, Greg.
0: You want to connect with Harry Paul again at his website, harrythefishguy.com. Check out his resources, maybe even have him come to your school district. Uh, whether in person or remotely because i'm sure he'd love to share the fish principles with you. So with that folks, that's a wrap and as always do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids. Thank you for listening to the reimagined schools podcast. Be sure to like, share and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite episodes and be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dr. Greg Goins, you can also connect with me anytime via email at Goins at gmail.com so if you have a question or comment about an individual episode or maybe you have a recommendation for future guests i would love to hear from you also anyone out there that has an interest in sponsorships on the reimagine schools podcast can hit me up via email again at Goins at gmail.com thanks for listening folks And remember, always do what you can to create better schools for kids.